0: What is going on, movie lovers? Welcome back to another edition of No Content for Old Men. This is the podcast where every week I give you reviews of the latest movies and some streaming suggestions for your weekend. As always, I'm your host, Matt Craig. Thank you so much for listening, and it is a packed week. Usually February is the time when studios dump their unwanted projects and hope that no one notices. Uh, But this week there was four movies that I really wanted to watch, and I watched them all, and now I can't wait to tell you about them uh so we're going to be talking about kimmy which is Steven Soderbergh's latest project on hbo max we're going to be talking about death on the nile which is out in theaters we're going to be talking about marry me which is that ridiculous looking uh rom-com starring jennifer lopez and owen wilson out in theaters and on peacock and finally i want you back which is the uh, charlie day and jenny slate rom-com on amazon prime so we're going to be talking a lot about uh, genre movies, we're going to talk about straight to streamers, we're talking about the greatness of Steven Soderbergh and why I love all his movies. Uh, so it's a packed show, we got four kind of semi-full-length reviews uh, for you, and then yeah, uh, over on the newsletter at mattcraig.substack.com, there's also four trailers in this week's Trailer Watch, and you'll find out exactly why at the end of this episode, so you'll stick around for that one. Um, but yeah, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. You can get in touch with me through the newsletter or on Twitter at Mr. Matt Craig. Let me know if you watch any of these movies, what you think, uh, what movies you guys are watching, what movies I should be watching. Always love hearing from you guys, but let's go ahead and jump into Steven Soderbergh's Kimmy. The last eight years of the great Steven Soderbergh's career have been marked almost exclusively by experimentation. He tried reverse financing in Logan Lucky, nonlinear plot in Mosaic, filming with an iPhone in Unsane and High Flying Bird, filming on a fully functioning transatlantic ferry crossing and Let Them All Talk, and in his last five features, giving up on the theatrical entirely and releasing straight to streaming. That experimentation is the thing I love about him, even though it's difficult not to think of these as lesser Soderbergh because of the lower stakes nature of the project's. That label would be a sin of omission, because each of these movies tangles with the ambitious ideas, like The Laundromat goes after tax evasion of the super wealthy, and No Sudden Move from last year takes on redlining and generational wealth. Through that lens, Kimmy could be seen as an exploration of online data privacy, the omnipotence of modern tech companies, and the post-pandemic fear of reentering society. Still... Kimmy is an extremely tight 89-minute plot steam engine. It most resembles his tactile 2011 thriller, Haywire, a similar straight-ahead thriller, even if its premise more closely follows Brian De Palma's blowout. A woman who works as an audio technician for a Siri or Alexa-style home assistant hears a strange sound on one of the recordings, then unravels the mystery as to the sound's origins. Soderbergh's greatest talent as I've said many times, is the way he doles out only one breadcrumb of information at a time, leaving viewers in the dark until the moment he wants to unveil something. That's why we don't really know exactly what our protagonist's condition is, though it resembles agoraphobia. She's a shut-in who's afraid to leave her apartment and has built her entire life around self-sufficiency and the internet. And we don't really know why she's so obsessed with finding the truth about what's going on in the recording despite its danger to her own safety until the story continues to unravel like an onion. In general, straight-to-streaming movies are designed to be easily digestible and easily forgettable time killers. Soderbergh's movies, on the other hand, cannot, cannot be viewed in the background. They make you think and often call for repeat viewings. Each detail is fussed over, elevated to the next level of craft. To watch this movie is to remember that movies can be an art form without necessarily needing to be high art. Kimmy will not compete for awards, nor does it aspire to, but when someone looks back on the 2022 year in movies, on the careers of Soderbergh or star Zoe Kravitz, or for that matter, Derek DelGaudio, whose one-man show in and of itself is one of my favorite things of released in 2020, they will only have great things to say about this movie. And for me, I'll savor every new Soderbergh project, every chance I get. Next up, we're going to be talking about the biggest movie of the box office this weekend, Death on the Nile. There's always going to be an appetite for murder mystery whodunnits. Famous people love making them, and we love watching them. Even if that famous person is Adam Sandler, and the most creative name he could come up with is murder mystery. But no matter. The real question is whether or not there's still room for Agatha Christie's staid period melodramas in a post-knives-out world. Christie has long been the queen of the genre, her source text being "To true crime, junkies," what Jane Austen is for lonely white women, and Tom Clancy is for dudes with American flags hanging off the back of their trucks. Adaptations of her work have always proven to be lucrative on the silver screen, including this same story, told much more effectively, I might add, in 1978 with Mia Farrow, Betty Davis, and Peter Ustinov, and most recently Kenneth Branagh's Murder on the Orient Express, which in 2017 netted $350 million in global box office receipts. That's an unfathomable number today. But Knives Out changed the game, and in terms of star-studded, colorful casts orbiting an eccentric detective, Death in the Nile feels ancient compared to the self-aware wit of Ryan Johnson's developing franchise. It doesn't help that this movie sat on the shelf for over a year, in which time one co-star was exposed as a cannibal, one, possibly two, were exposed as anti-vaxxers, and one has been exposed as a truly limited actor. You can Google around and find which is which, but suffice it to say that the Gal Gadot Arnold Schwarzenegger comparison has become more true with each passing movie. The biggest disappointment, however, is the most the almost inexplicable decision to recreate Egypt in a studio and fill in the rest using CGI. For a movie so tied to its location, the absence of that sense of location is a death sentence. That same sort of surrealist feelings carry over to the cast, which take which asks an American actor two American actors to play British, Army Hammer and Annette Benning. It asks British actors to play American, as Emma Mackey does, as well as French, as Kenneth Branagh and Rose Leslie do, and asks Gal Gadot to play, well, the only character she can, which is Gal Gadot. The plot machinations are polished, and the execution of the story, which took wide liberties with Christie's original tale, is done well. On the whole, it's a competent movie that lacks any of the fizzle that would make it memorable. Perhaps it's simply a case of sequelitis, since all the mystery about Poirot and his unusual manner of solving crimes was explained in the previous movie, but a successful whodunit must not only lay out and solve a crime creatively, it must also have fun along the way. And the more I think about it, that's what Death on the Nile lacks fun. Next up, we're talking about Marry Me, which is out in theaters and also able to stream on Peacock. The premise of this movie, which is that an international pop star points out a member of the audience at her show to marry on stage, is so preposterous that the first time I saw the trailer, I thought I was being punked. Then, as the movie unfolded, I realized, well, this isn't any more crazy than the setups of those hallowed rom-coms of yesteryear. The movie, in spite of itself, succeeds in transcending joke status to provide the kind of glitzy, brain-off, crowd-pleasing entertainment found in those dime-a-dozen romantic comedies of the 90s, many of which, perhaps not coincidentally, also starred Jennifer Lopez. Romantic comedies have made a, well, a tepid comeback in recent years, but only as a shadow of their former glory. Tight budgets, actors either on the rise or over the hill, and the kind of storytelling, not to mention production design, you'd expect from the Hallmark Channel. This is certainly not that. <laughs> it's a legitimate mid-budget major studio release starring two stars with name recognition, being Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. The movie is clearly built for J.Lo, accredited producer, to be a brand extension of her own real-life pop stardom. And though her hair, makeup, and costuming can be, well, a little, a little heavy-handed, at one point, a frumpled J. Lo offers desperately to buy a winter coat off anyone in a commercial airplane with her, and the next scene she's wearing one that retails for about $1,300. It's exactly the kind of magical fairyland glamour that fulfills every audience member's fantasy. For example, I'm going to a Dua Lipa concert in March, and certainly wouldn't object to going up on stage and marrying her. I'd stop short of calling this a good movie, and I don't want to hear anyone ever complain again about notting hill having taken basically the identical premise as this and created a much much more comedy drama and romance in the process if you're picking between that classic and this cheap imitation don't think twice Next up, and last of all, is on Amazon Prime Video, it's I Want You Back. It often feels like modern rom-coms of the cheap variety that I mentioned earlier are created more to fill a content hole in a streaming strategy rather than to have ambitions of being great. That's why almost all of them are high concept, which means banking basically their whole existence on the one sentence sales hook that could entice people to click on the corresponding box on, in this case, Amazon Prime Video. So how's this for a premise? A guy who just got dumped befriends a girl who also got dumped and they hatch a plan together to break up their ex's new relationships and get the corresponding partners back together. All the primaries are played by well-known faces, if not names, which helps. Charlie Day and Jenny Slate as the main pair, Gina Rodriguez and Scott Eastwood as the exes. The plot lines are clear, if predictable, and some of the humor is clever. Though, it's a shame to cast two world-class weirdos in Day and Slate and then have them play the movie so straight. Still, it's it's exactly the type of movie you put on when you can't decide what to watch, have a nice time, and really never think about it again. That's why... Even though this movie is objectively better than Marry Me, it feels insignificant, but still fun. So if you want to watch a rom-com this weekend on Amazon, check out I Want You Back. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this week's show. Although you really, really need to head over to the newsletter again at madcraig.substack.com because this week's trailers, I mean, really this week's release of trailers was more important than any of the movies that were released this week. That's why I had to put up four different trailers in this week's trailer watch on the newsletter because Jordan Peele's Nope came out with a trailer on the Super Bowl, and of course that will be a event both for this podcast, for my newsletter, and just on the movie calendar this year. Um, also Fresh, which was a hit out of Sundance. Deep Water, the much, much talked about uh, Ben Affleck, Ana Armis, erotic thriller. And then finally our first look at Elvis, which is uh, Baz Luhrmann's biopic of Elvis Presley, starring both Tom Hanks and Austin Butler. Uh, a movie that I really was not expecting to be this hyped about, but the trailer really got me excited. So big week for trailers. You're going to want to head over uh, to the newsletter and check those out. Next week, we're talking about Uncharted. My favorite video game uh, franchise of all time is now a movie starring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. I'm ready to have my heart broken, but you know what? (laughs) Maybe it will be Maybe it'll be good. I don't know. Also, this week, I'm getting a chance to see Drive My Car, which is the uh, last Best Picture nominee that I have not seen uh, because it's a foreign film and it's very hard to find. But I'm getting a chance to watch it. Everyone that I have talked to that have seen it or have read about uh, who has seen it says this movie is absolutely incredible. So I can't wait to watch that one and then tell you guys about it next Friday. Uh, so maybe you can catch it before academy awards which are in in late march so actually plenty of time um but yeah as always you guys thank you so much for listening your support means a ton uh i love hearing from you guys tell me what movies you guys are watching um get in touch with me uh, through the newsletter or on twitter at mr matt craig and yeah until next friday i guess i'll see you at the movies